This is AM Rush. I'm your host, Alex Mitchell. Wednesday, April 22nd, some headlines today. Healthcare workers are going to be honored with a ticker tape parade once the city opens, Mayor Bill de Blasio announced. As numbers with coronavirus are slowing down, Cuomo announces a plan to resume elective surgeries. And an AM New York Metro exclusive. It looks like Steve Cohen might be back in talks to buy the New York Mets with Alex Rodriguez and Jennifer Lopez. Good morning, good afternoon to everyone listening. I'm Alex Mitchell. This is AM Rush. Let's get started with something that makes us feel good. Now, after Mayor Bill de Blasio announced on Monday that the city would be closing all public events in June, including the Pride March and the Puerto Rican Day Parade, he announced that healthcare workers will be honored with a ticker tape parade in Lower Manhattan's Canyon of Heroes as soon as the city is reopened. Now, if you're not sure what the Canyon of Heroes is, that's where every time a team wins a championship, they throw the big parade. So the New York Giants a few years ago, the New York Yankees, the United States women's soccer team when they won the World Cup. Healthcare workers are getting their own version of that, and I can't think of anyone else that deserves it more than they do right now. And as numbers go down with coronavirus, Governor Andrew Cuomo announced that elective outpatient treatments can resume in counties and hospitals that don't have a significant risk of coronavirus in the near term. Now, this can happen as early as next week. So those hospitals that have been having minimal activity would have to meet certain requirements to resume outpatient procedures, or better known just as elective surgeries. Now, on April 28th, if a hospital's capacity is over 25% for the county, and if there have been fewer than 10 new hospitalizations of coronavirus patients in that county over the past 10 days, then the procedures can begin. Now, the governor also announced that elective surgery restrictions will remain in place for the Bronx, Queens, Rockland, Nassau, Westchester, Brooklyn, Suffolk, Manhattan, and Dutchess counties, among others. So the downstate area is still going to have restrictions because of the dense number of cases. Now, some of our more recent stats, as of Tuesday afternoon, New York had 257,125 reported cases of coronavirus with almost 19,000 deaths. And here's an AM New York Metro exclusive. It looks like Steve Cohen, who had a failed deal to buy the Mets from the Wilpons, or to be more precise, take over majority ownership from the Wilpon family to own the New York Mets, might be back in talks to do this with Alex Rodriguez and his wife, Jennifer Lopez. AM New York Metro sports editor Joe Pantorno put together this exclusive, and we're bringing him on to talk about the future of the Mets and what he's learned about Steve Cohen's involvement and what new ownership could mean for that team. Joe, some big news with the Mets. And and I have to say, before you get into it, even when there's no season, they manage to raise blood pressure. So I'm going to let you take it from here. Hey, thanks again for having me on this. 
Good to be back. And yeah, uh, never a dull moment when it comes to the Mets. Uh, I had a source tell uh, me this morning, this is a, a New York Metro exclusive, uh, that last night's reports that came out about uh, Jennifer Lopez and Alex Rodriguez potentially putting in a bid for the team uh, opens up the possibility of Steve Cohen possibly re-entering the fray uh, to come over and, and take majority ownership of the Mets. Um, obviously, that's a huge story. Um, Steve and the Mets entered negotiations to uh, buy the team back in December. And uh, those talks went on for roughly two months, and then they were abandoned uh, probably around the first week of February uh, when Cohen tried to amend some of the terms of the agreement, which included the Wilpons retaining basically absolute power for five years. So once Cohen attempted to do, to do that, the, uh, the deal was off, and the Wilpon family turned to uh, a, um, a private bank, and the team is poised to be sold in a more traditional auction-style format. So uh, with Jennifer Lopez and Alex Rodriguez's combined net worth of being about $700 million, they are going to need some help to buy the Mets. Uh, and Cohen might be those deep pockets needed uh, for them to get that deal done. So Cohen's interest, even though the deal fell through, his interest doesn't seem like it's wavered, and he still wants in on this. Right. Uh, currently, he's an 8% minority stakeholder in the team, and that deal that fell through back in February was going to see him take over 80% of the team for approximately $2.6 billion. Now, since that deal fell through, the Mets now, for that much of a stake in the organization, that stake has come down probably about close to a billion dollars. So instead of the Wilpons getting a deal sort of privately uh, done for $2.6 billion, now all of a sudden you're looking at majority ownership for the team at around $1.6 billion. So uh, quite, quite a difference there. For A-Rod, if he is to jump in on this and end up being an owner of the Mets, what can he learn from Derek Jeter on how to do things better in New York, particularly, I know you know a lot about this, to what the Mets need from an ownership? Given A-Rod's links to the Mets, and, and I'm really just going back to his boyhood ties with the team, how he idolized them and Keith Hernandez growing up, this is something where I could see him stepping in and kind of winning at all costs. And that doesn't mean, you know, taking your eyes off the future. And in that respect, he could take that from Jeter. Keep always keep an eye on the future. Really in New York, something with, that the Mets haven't had compared to the Yankees is long-term success. This is a team that's never made the postseason three years in a row, ever in its history. So if A-Rod can do that and help kind of turn the tide and change the culture and not really make the Mets or ascend the Mets from their little brother status in the grand scheme of things, they'll never get out of the Yankee shadow. But if they could create a viable, consistent winner, all of a sudden, I mean, not only does that do wonders for the Mets organization itself, but it also makes New York baseball and major league baseball that much better. Really baseball is better when both New York teams are good. Oh, certainly. So that's really, that should be priority number one for him. 
you know, keep keep the Mets in contention now. Keep an eye on the future. And obviously, it's so much easier said than done. But the pieces that the Mets have right now, they should be able to piece together a team that should be in the playoff conversation for at least the next five years. So, like you're saying about how much more exciting baseball is, particularly when the Mets and Yankees are competitive. I mean, I remember 2000, you remember 2000, a literal Subway World Series. It, it doesn't get much more exciting than that. And something else, well, fans may not necessarily be buddy-buddy as, as Yankees-Mets. It seems like the two front offices between the Yankees and the Mets have a good relationship, even when you look at managers from the Yankees or players from the Yankees that go on to either play for or manage the Mets. I mean, off the top of my head, Willie Randolph, Casey Stengel, Yogi Berra, it seems like there's a real open door between the two teams. I think really when you, when you boil down to it, and I don't know if, if we can necessarily call this a hot take, but the only rivalry that exists between the Mets and the Yankees is through the fan base. Yeah. Uh, and that's because, you know, they live in close quarters, and baseball is a game that, you know, has to be discussed 24-7. That's the beautiful thing about the game. Uh, and there is a superiority complex and an inferiority complex. It's just the way things are, uh, unfortunately. And I, I grew up on that stand. Uh, it's just the way it is, and, and that statement alone, that boils the blood of a lot of Mets fans. So when you get the two fan bases together, and you know, I was talking about how many championships were won, and then who's talking about payrolls, and who's talking about uh, last time somebody else won a championship. So, uh, you know, that's really where the rivalry exists. Uh, and for me, at least, it's almost nonsensical that there should be any sort of animosity between the two front offices of the teams, uh, at least for now. You know, this isn't like uh, a Yankees-Brooklyn Dodgers rivalry of the uh, late 40s and uh, into the 1950s where they played each other in the World Series, however many times that was, five or six times in an eight-year stretch. Uh, so, and, and again, this isn't going to sound good for Mets fans, but, you know, the Mets haven't done enough for there to be an actual legitimate rivalry between the two clubs so uh who knows that might change uh you know now's the time to do it the Mets are certainly looking up and the Yankees are going to be a force for who knows how long with the juggernaut that they put together so uh you know who knows that might change something else I want to ask you about with A-Rod's potential involvement jumping into into the New York Mets when Jay-Z got involved in owning the Brooklyn Nets that seemed more like a formality and, and a status thing, and you see him on the sidelines of the games. But if A-Rod is to invest, do you think that he is going to be much more hands-on? Yeah, see, that's, uh, you know, that's one of those great unknowns. Um, one would have to assume that he would be a little bit more hands-on than the Wilpons. I think he'd obviously try to be a lot more visible, Granted, you know, if he took over such a role, you know, he'd have to kiss his broadcasting career goodbye. Uh, so, you know, you won't see him on ESPN or, or Fox during the preseason, uh, postseason, excuse me. Um, so in that respect, you know, I think, again, this, this, this is a visual guy. 
you know, he needs to be seen. He needs to be heard. So in order to do that, you know, you might see him sitting in the first base box or behind home plate. Uh, you know, you're going to see him adamantly rooting on his team. You're going to see him try and go out and make the moves to make his boyhood team a winner, much like we all speculated uh, what happened with Steve Cohen if he took over the team. You know, this is a guy who grew up on Long Island, and, and he rooted for the Mets too. So you would have to think he'd be more hands-on. And, and at this point, um, compared to the Wilpons, there's really no other way to go but up. The Wilpons obviously are universally abhorred by the fan base. Uh, so A-Rod at least provides a change of pace, a, a light at the end of the tunnel. So uh, you'd have to think that he would try to pounce on that. And with Cohen coming in, Cohen seems to really be, as you said, the financial backbone of of what's going on. Is it almost like A-Rod is the front man, the, the smiles and everything, and Cohen really gets nitty-gritty with the ownership aspect? Yeah, you could say if there was... And agree again if this happens. Um, yeah, hypothetically, you could, you could you could see that you know see A Rod being the poster child. You know he's the face, and Cohen is uh, you know he's the puppeteer. Cohen will pull the strings, and A Rod will be the voice. And um, you know I think that's a uh, that's a setup that a lot of Mets fans would sign up for. Personally, in the time that you've been following the team, is what the Mets have struggled with, like you said, they've never made the playoffs three seasons in a row, which when you think about that, it, it's surprising because, of course, people jeer on the Mets, but, you know, they've been a fairly decent team in the past, in the past, since the 2000 World Series, letdowns, I'm, I don't need to remind you, but they've had exciting runs. Now, do you think a new ownership component will bring the moments of excitement in the Mets closer together. So it won't be between 2006 and 2015 that you have these exciting runs, but maybe it will be like 2020 and then 2022, they're back and have a deep team. At face level, that should be the plan. Um, You know, just considering the way the Wilpons have held the Mets back since taking over in 2002, where really there was almost this outright refusal to spend the necessary dollars to get the upgrades that would put this team over the top. You know, we, we've seen it throughout this millennia really where, you know, the Mets have been linked to big name free agents, but it was always too rich for their blood. And, and, that's just the way it is where, you know, Mets fans have been relegated to the fact that despite playing in the largest sports market on the planet, they're run like a team based out of Kansas city or Milwaukee. So really a affluent owner who's committed to making the Mets a consistent winner should do what it takes to make sure that, they are competitive in 2020 and 21 and 22 and 23 and so on and so forth. Um, but again, you know, it all really depends on how long, uh, you know, the will ponds will want to hold on to this or, you know, who actually steps up and takes over the Mets. So it's all fine and dandy dealing in hypotheticals, but uh, you know, 
this is a bridge to cross when we get there. If the Mets make changes at the ownership level, and I'm sure you can attest to this, I think they're in the running. I really think that they're in the running. I think that if the Yankees don't do it in the next two seasons, whenever those two seasons happen, I think the Mets will win the World Series before the Yankees. I I think there there shouldn't be a reason why the Mets don't contend right now, and that's ownership aside. Um, really, the centerpieces were there, and um, I think a lot of people cautiously had the Mets prepared to make a lot of noise this year. That obviously changes with the uh, injury to Noah Syndergaard, the season-ending Tommy John surgery, and we won't see him until April. That all of a sudden throws the viability of the pitching staff, which was the strongest aspect of the Mets organization, uh, into disarray of sorts or um, uncertainty, just for now. Because Marcus Stroman, who is going to be the Mets' number two man, he's a free agent at the end of this season. So, you know, it's one thing to hope that, okay, well, if baseball comes back in 2020 and if it's a mad sprint, you know, a one-two of DeGrom and Syndergaard might just do enough to ensure the Mets at least contend, uh, because really the book's out on the last three starters in that rotation, whether it's you know Porcello or Waka or Mast. But you know, say for example, there is no baseball here. Stroman walks the free agency because maybe ownership isn't willing to dole out the kind of money that he's going to get. Uh, Suddenly so the Mets are back to square one. Square one. Then you get a recovering Noah Syndergaard back. And you're hopeful that he could be a legitimate number two behind DeGrom. And then you have, uh, you know, three arms that really have had problems succeeding at the MLB level. And uh, then all of a sudden you're putting an abundance of pressure on the bats, which, you know, at least on paper, are poised to have a big year. You know, whether it's McNeil or Alonzo or Conforto. You know, people are hoping that Robinson Cano can rebound. So it's, you know, really, it's a nice balance that the Mets are poised to have now. But again, it all depends on the ability to retain some of them and making the right moves, which has been a problem with this organization for quite some time. So we'll see. And Joe, one more thing before I let you go. If you could rebrand anything about the Mets, like if... Say you were in this ownership deal. What are, I'm going to actually expand it. What are the first five things you would do to improve the organization? Wow, that's a, uh, okay. That, that's a hard one here. Um, you get five wishes, the magical genie. You know, if you asked a couple of years ago, there'd be certain things, you know, that I could pinpoint immediately down the roster. Obviously, the first thing I guess I would do is legitimately improve the bullpen. Again, you're entering 2020 with a lot of ifs. Well, if Edwin Diaz can rebound from a career-worst season he had last year, if Dylan Batances can stay healthy, if Seth Lugo can stay healthy, you know, then the Mets might have a pretty good bullpen. But really, address the bullpen, get bona fide arms in there that'll be able to shut things down. You know, it is what it is. Um, but really, if, if we're talking about, you know, rebranding the Mets, I mean... It, it's, it's, a, it's really, you know, obviously the team has created a, um, a reputation of 
I don't want to use the term lovable losers, but you know, they've become the butt of jokes around Major League Baseball over the past 20 years or so. It's just the way things have gone. Um, and, and there's no real way to rebrand that, but I think something I would do, uh, which Pete Alonso and Marcus Stroman have touched on over the past few months, just for Friday nights, I bring back those black jerseys uh, that they wore back in 2000. You know, really try and... Those were and cool. Those were, yes, they were great. Really try and try and recapture one of the really last great ages of Mets baseball, the late 90s and early 2000s. Um, again, they didn't win anything, but those were some of the most beloved teams in franchise history. And all of a sudden, and, and that's what you got to do. You have to really connect the fans and the team with the past winners of the organization. Try and change the culture. Really make known that you're devoted to winning, that you know, you're going to make sure that every single thing that can possibly be done, which is going to be as trivial as, you know, trotting out a couple of old players, uh, you know, once or twice a homestand, something like that. Um, you know, that says a lot to the fans, um, really. So if you instill that winning culture at first, even if the championships don't come, suddenly, you know, the reputation begins to change and the worm begins to turn. So, again, it's it's a hard question of five things that I could do, but at least those are two things I, I would think about doing. So two quick points I want to touch on, um, and then we're really done. Just like the Chicago Cubs with the Steve Bartman ball being exploded in uh, Harry Carey's restaurant, do you think that if there is new ownership, there is some physical exorcism that not only the fans would enjoy, but baseball as a whole would just engage in that the Mets could do. Wow. That's a, that's a good question. Really? There hasn't been, you know, these, there hasn't been this tangible representation of these things that have mired the Mets in mediocrity for so long. You know, it's always just kind of been bad breaks or something like that. But, you know, hey, if somebody can find Bobby Bonilla's contract or a copy of it and at least burn it or throw it in a fire, even though they're paying them <laughs> for another who knows how many years, just do that. Like, just get that out of the way. At least that's something to start with. But, yeah, it's uh, all these bad manifestations of, of Mets culture really comes from, you know, these uh, non-physical entities, I guess we could say. So uh, another Star Wars reference, kind of like a Phantom Menace. Yeah, I love it. Exactly. <laughs> the Phantom Metsus. <laughs> love it. And, uh, <laughs> and the final point, what you were saying about how the Mets are viewed in, in baseball and compared to the Yankees, I know you know this show, and I know you relate to the show on a spiritual level like I do. It almost seems like Ray and Robert Barone. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's that's a great analogy, sure. And I don't mean to jab Mets fans with that, but I think it's kind of on the money. Yeah, sure, but you know what? Everybody still kind of loves Rob. He's the lovable loser, you know? Exactly, and when he finally starts getting it together, you're happy for him, and you realize exactly. everybody loves Robert, too. Right, right. So, hey, I, I, hope, uh, I hope the Mets kind of follow that same sort of path. I can say as someone who's followed the Yankees, I've always wanted to see the Mets do well. 
you want that enthusiasm. You want that energy. And I know for a fact, of course, there are always going to be bitter fans. But on the Yankees side of things, when the like in 2015, most Yankees fans were pulling for the Mets. They want to see it happen too. So this is not more of a team thing, but the whole city, we want to see flushing back on its feet. We really do. Right. Yeah. Hopefully, uh, again, hopefully that could happen because uh, even even in 2015, you know, it we really haven't seen the Mets and Yankees other than 2000 really be good at the same time. Yeah. Uh, and and it's easier to point towards the Mets stretch of success because they've been so few and far between. But you know, the Yankees were basement dwellers in 1969, and they were irrelevant in 1986. And in 2015, they were. You can't use the word rebuilt, but they were, you know, kind of stalled right near the top of things, but they yeah. weren't quite there yet. So. Technically, a playoff team getting swept um, three nothing by Houston in the wild card game at right. home. I wouldn't call that necessarily. A, I think you're right. A, a rebuild team maybe coming up for air. Exactly, because you know the Yankees are the only organization in baseball history that had a one year rebuild, not even so. <laughs> That's, that sounds like uh, a Yankees thing to do. Hey, they get it right. Give them that much. Well, Joe, thank you for coming on. And the more that you have on this, we'll certainly follow up on it. And again, I think we all want to see a change made in Queens for the better. And when baseball comes back, I think there would be nothing more exciting than commitment from both the Yankees and the Mets that they're going to have one heck of a year. That's right. We'll uh, we'll all keep our fingers crossed for that. And uh, again, Alex, thanks so much for having me on. And uh, can't wait to do it again sometime. Absolutely. Talk soon, Joe. Good luck with everything. All right. Appreciate that. And that was AM Rush. Fingers crossed for Mets fans that something good happens with their ownership. And fingers crossed for all of New York that we get through this together. Remember, stay strong. Thank you again for listening to AM Rush. I'm Alex Mitchell. Remember, wash your hands, New York.